So tonight, Haley and I are really excited to interview Wendy Strugar. She is the founder and CEO of Good Clean Love, which both Haley and I use in the clinic. obsessed with. Obsessed. So Wendy is an award-winning entrepreneur and founder and CEO of Good Clean Love. She started Good Clean Love in 2003 in her kitchen. After hearing from many women about and experiencing for herself the painful side effects of using petrochemical-based hygiene. Yeah, that is no joke. Having vulvar skin irritation from products can just be such a horrible cycle and so hard to get out of and so embarrassing to treat. So that is, is really important. Good Clean Love products are sold internationally and endorsed by physicians nationwide for their safe and non-toxic ingredients. In addition to serving as Good Clean Love CEO, Wendy is a popular blogger and author of two books, Sex That Works, An Intimate Guide to Awakening Your Erotic Life, which was published in June 2017, and is the companion to her first popular book, Love That Works, A Guide to Enduring Intimacy. Wendy is a sexual health educator and loveologist, and she's a featured writer at the award-winning blog, Making Love Sustainable. I think another important thing to note about the Good Clean Love products is that that they are a champion of sustainable business practices. In 2018, the company launched a carbon offset initiative. Its flagship product, Almost Naked Personal Lubricant, became the first ever carbon-neutral intimacy product of the world. Good Clean Love now donates four cents for each bottle sold to the product that reduces greenhouse gases by an amount equivalent to that the bottle's carbon footprint. The initiative neutralizes the product's environmental impact and simultaneously serves as a role model for smaller companies seeking to mitigate their effect on climate change. The power, I think, of like female spearheaded companies, we give a shit. That speaks right to my tree-hugging heart. Yeah. Like, love it. Women entrepreneurs and like business owners I just have so much respect I have so much respect for that like just do the damn thing you know do the thing do the thing do the thing and good clean love is one of the only personal care product brands whose products are packaged using bioplastic a material made from recyclable sugar cane the leading renewable alternatives to petroleum-based plastics bioplastic is made with sugar cane ethanol and is entirely plant-based Use of bioplastic aids in lowering the carbon dioxide emissions, supporting economic growth in cane-growing nations, and diversifying energy sources. Because, you know, what's really, really fascinating to me about that is, like, we talk all the time about, like, plastic applicators being an issue or, like, influencing hormonal regulation. And so, like, you could be buying the best lube. But if it's in the wrong bottle... Yeah, it's in some bottle that's... BPA. Yeah. Mess with your estrogen. That's really cool. Like, that's, I, I didn't know that about Good Clean Love. Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. 
So um, I see, and we see so many people with like recurrent UTIs or recurrent BV and and they develop pelvic pain. They develop chronic pelvic pain. So then they're coming to see a pelvic floor PT and no one's ever talked about their of their biome being the issue and and so to at least say okay well this is a possibility let's let's get you directing in that direction um and taking that because actually the thing is is that even when you talk to and i speak to some high level vulval vaginal specialists Mm -hmm. and they'll always say we can't resolve the case without you guys without a pt but we also can't resolve it if people keep using nasty products, right? right? Because it's just going to keep happening. And actually, even if you get them to stop using nasty products, if they've had four rounds of antibiotics, then there, there's like another whole evolution that has to happen for the body to find its way back. Um, you know, we've interviewed probably people, you know, Stephanie Pendergrast. Mm-hmm. Um, I just listened to the today because that just, did that just go up today or yesterday? I think it just went up. Yeah. Like a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's kind of like an expert in the space. Gronsky, so, Susie Gronsky, Susie and, Gronsky. Yeah, she's she's really in North Carolina great. too. Yeah. Uh, Jill. Mm-hmm. Is that what had, you guys are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Are you yeah. getting a big storm now? Rain. Lots of rain. We, we've had so much rain. Oh, really? It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's weird. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places so frigid, cold and snowing right now. And just a couple hours from here in Portland, it's like snowing and blizzardy. And here it's just raining again. But mm-hmm. weirdly, I lost my Wi-Fi. I mean, we our electricity went out and I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, it's great to be on your show. Thank you for thinking of me. And my name is Wendy Stragar. And I uh, started Good Clean Love in my kitchen um, when I was like 37, so like 20 years ago. And I was the poster girl where necessity was the mother of invention, right? Um, I had my fourth child not long before that and suffered from, I mean, just all the things that happen when you have four babies vaginally, right? I actually was lucky that I had a gynecologist who urged me to get a prolapse surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't even think about what condition I'd be in if I hadn't, but actually more painful than childbirth, honestly. And so I had a lot of symptoms around not only having all those children and sort of the hormonal change of perimenopause and, um, and then the dryness that, you know, compounds over many children. Mm-hmm. And plus I was like sort of that freak mom that nursed every baby for three years. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had all the excuses to have a very uh, painful sex life. Uh, I'm married to a psychiatrist. We're coming up on 39 years. Um, so I actually started my company to save my marriage actually. And uh, it worked. So that's good. Um, and <laughs> And uh, I knew that if I gave up having sex because it was so painful, that the rest of the mess would just come apart. And I was really committed to not having a divorced family because I grew up in that way before it was like everybody got divorced. And so, you know, like I said, I'd had four kids and I was, I I knew I had to keep a sex life. And plus also I'm a Scorpio. I wanted a sex life. Yeah. So, um, so that's how good clean love started actually. And at the time I just knew that when the OBGYN and this was before, before there was people like you, like amazing people who could help me with my pelvic floor, right? Like I didn't even
even, you know, kegels. That was just the the yeah. the only thing they ever said, kegels, right? Yeah. Now, the OBGYN, who thankfully gave me that prolapse operation, but would also give me KY or Astroglide. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I would come in and I'd be like, oh, this, it's terrible. Like, I have to take a bath for three hours. What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. You know, I was never that compliant patient that just sort of took the pain, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And they just would be like, you're fine. Nothing's wrong with you. It looks all good. Stitches are healing. I'm like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. began, I began my own quest to find a product that I could have sex with. Actually, that's how it started. You know, at first I tried olive oil and then I couldn't cook with it too. It's like, no, <laughs> not a solution for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of things kind of came together that I decided this was going to be a business in my kitchen. So yeah. when I wasn't taking care of four kids, I was just trying to make this up at night. You know, I think about those early days and just all the things that are in the box of you don't know what you don't know right? Like, which was pretty much the entirety of the world. It was like, I never was that kind of, you know, the way there's so many women's health businesses that they have their, you know, Wharton degrees and here's this open market niche. It was like, no, this is like a pain niche and, and one that nobody would ever talk about. Um, And that it was very clear to me that, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I, I mean, I was an older mom by the time I had my fourth child, I was 37. So I had kids for like 10 years, but I knew a lot of moms in that range and everybody was having these problems. It, I, it was not unique to me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started trying to learn about women's health. Truthfully, it was always my own health that I was trying to learn about. And then of course, you know, every lubricant on the shelf has propylene glycol. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, what it why propylene glycol and then suddenly it's like brake fluid antifreeze <laughs> why are they giving me mm-hmm. propylene glycol right mm-hmm. so that's how i got into the field truthfully mm-hmm. And uh, we had oil products to begin with, and we still sell these oil products. We're kind of on our 4.0 version that are about to come out. And those products are really great, having nothing to do with pelvic floor necessarily. But we know that an arousal mechanism is often the thing that's most broken for women who have pain with sex, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you only have to have pain a couple of times. And then you stop lubricating. And um, the idea of sex is just like, even if you're, you're, even if you kind of want it, you can't, you know, your vagina is not sending that signal to your brain Mm -hmm. that doesn't even touch on the BV part. Mm -hmm. So anyway, these love oils really helped to awaken that arousal mechanism in the brain. Mm -hmm. And I still am heavily reliant on them. So super excited. Those are going to be out again, but then, you know, it was one of our very best customers who uh, who was becoming a mom. So the first chain of stores we had, um, and I accidentally sent her a Peter, Paul, and Mommy CD that, you know, it, as I was driving around in my minivan with my children in the back, oh, yeah. this CD somehow got into this package. So <laughs> that was what compelled her to call me. Uh-huh. Um, I love that story. And she became a good friend, actually, because she was also kind of an early young mom. And she was the one that said, you need a water-based product. And that was how the quest began to move away from petrochemicals and how we sort of landed at, you know, what is now actually the best-selling organic lubricant on the market. Yeah, Crazy. It's, yeah, it's no amazing. It's so cool. Brand. 
like the amount of vulvar skin irritation that I see just because people don't know better is unbelievable. And it usually all it takes is like, I'll give them a couple sample packs that you guys so generously give to so many providers. The next time they're in, they're like, you got any, you got any more of those? You got any more of those? I'm like, go buy it. Um, Because I think that's for a lot of women in that postpartum period, it's the first time that they've needed lubricant, needed lube, but they are really embarrassed about that. They're embarrassed that things are changing. They're embarrassed that their, their body's not performing the same way that it used to and pain is uncomfortable. And so it it becomes this sort of cycle of feeling embarrassed and then having pain. And then, yeah, then it's not, there's There's no desire. I think there's also that lubricants got a really bad rap mm-hmm. uh, because they were so nasty that like most people in the, I mean, in the category, you know, of all the KYs, all the astroglides, you know, people would buy it one time and throw it away because mm-hmm. it's sticky, it burned, mm-hmm. like there's, there's so many bad side effects. You know, the repurchase rate in that category was something like 0.1. I mean, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And our repurchase rate was like, like 17 times that, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that women partly, they didn't really believe in the product because they might've had a really bad experience. And then there is this way that, especially if you're nursing or there's other complications or just age, right. Or, you know, all mm-hmm. kinds of things mm-hmm. that impact mm-hmm. that, you know, that we don't have a language for our vagina in general, even when we're kids, You know, we know now that only a third of all women have a good, healthy biome all the time. And Mm -hmm. even if they kind of have these assaults, their biome will kind of find its way back to something that with a good, healthy lactobacilli, Mm -hmm. but another third never have good lactobacilli. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know why, right? Like we only started studying female health, but in with government money in 1992, which is insane. insane. Uh, And so there's a ton more research to do. But then there's the third in the middle that are constantly sort of struggling to come back to something healthy. Mm -hmm. So basically, more people than not will have BV and kind of recurrent sort of something's just kind of off, you know, 80% of the time that goes undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Would you say that in particular, that, that postpartum period, um, because it's a lower estrogen time and then with breastfeeding kind of compounding that, that, that would be a huge time where there would be a huge shift in that biome. Maybe even if someone had, had fairly maybe quote unquote normal, um, lactobacilli before, but because of the hormonal shifts in postpartum, that it would be a, a time to maybe even prophylactically look at yes, managing that. I think there's many, many times that like any kind of time that your hormones are really shifting. So of course that happens postpartum. And then that happens every, I mean, you know, we clearly go through two very significant follicular and luteal phases in a healthy cycle. So we know that those phases are impacted when you don't have good, healthy lactobacilli, Mm -hmm. right? Like you don't get that regrowth of the lining the -hmm. way you should. You you have this pro-inflammatory, I mean, it's weird. We're, We're doing some work 
work with some of our advisors now. I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. Like there isn't even a medical understanding and assertion that bacterial vaginosis is an inflammatory cycle. It's just this automaton, you know, the right antibiotic at the right time. No, you would never do that in the gut. And so you would never, you would never want to do that when you're really what you want is to reestablish a biome. Mm-hmm. It's like this is new, relatively new knowledge. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anytime your hormones are affected, which is even after every period, mm-hmm. after every period, you actually have to do a reboot on your biome. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you have sex, you know, that sperm, if you're not using a barrier method, you know, brings your pH up to seven. A healthy vagina wants to be at 3.7. Mm-hmm. So those are all really good times to be using um, supportive products that are designed to help the biome find its way back to its level, right? Mm-hmm. That's level set, which mm-hmm. like I said, we know it's a pH of 3.7. Mm-hmm. That's where healthy lactobacilli can flourish. Um, that's really low. The only place that's lower in the body is the gut. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, surprisingly acidic. I think when you compare like, okay, that's the acidity of the same acidity as this acid, it's eye-opening to me. Like, wow, that's a lot. Well, you know, there is, it's weird because we make these beautiful products, but the pH is all really low in those products because mm-hmm. yep. we yep. want the vagina to be low. Mm-hmm. And so and we, we use lactic acid, a very special kind of lactic acid that mm-hmm. is biomatched to the kind of lactobacilli that's native to the vagina. So that would be different than the lactic acid you would use in the mouth, for instance, necessarily, or in the gut, right? We think all lactobacilli is made equally, Mm -hmm. but every biome in the body, of course, they're all connected, but each one has its own native culture. So So there's a lot of studies, for instance, that shows crispatus mm -hmm. is like one of the leaders in the vagina. In your lines of products that you have, I know that you have a specific suppository that has the the bacteria, but all of the other products are compatible with that. So um, well, think- so it's really important to talk about that because mm-hmm. there have been some studies over like at least 10 years where like actually university in Seattle was thinking, okay, well, so for all these women that don't have good lactobacilli, let's just give them some and let's see how it works. Mm-hmm. So we learned a couple of things from that. One is that the strain really, really matters. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's kind of crazy. 2021, how are we only now getting, there are these predominant native strains and those are the ones we want. So anyway, I worked with a biophysicist for many years at Johns Hopkins mm-hmm. who spent 30 mm-hmm. years studying this stuff. So I was very blessed to have a teacher. But the other thing that's really important when you talk about the other products being compatible is what I would say is that it's preparatory, right? Like, so you can't put healthy lactobacilli in a sick system and just say, okay, this lactobacilli is going to flourish now, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because if the pH is too high, there's already bad bacteria there that's going to kill it. Mm -hmm. And there's no good food for that lactobacilli to thrive. Mm -hmm. So basically what all our other products do is 
just prepare the vagina to mm -hmm. actually greet healthy lactobacilli. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. like I said, some women, that's all you need to do. You just need to remind the body, bring the pH down, give it this healthy dose, uh, which is actually also a biomatch dose mm -hmm. of lactic acid. Mm -hmm. That's how much lactic acid healthy lactobacilli produces when it's in harmony in the vagina. That's how mm -hmm. much is in our product. Yeah. And I think and that's really cool to know that it's actually using those good products could be healing and that you would then maybe not need them forever um, because now so you've got a system. It depends on what group you're in, right? Yeah. yeah. So if True. you're in that good group, then mm -hmm. you might need to just do it after you get your period or mm -hmm. like you said, if you're nursing or, but there are some women, like for me, it's just a daily hygiene thing, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. I had BV when I was a teenager, back then it was called Gardnerella, um, but it's not like any <laughs> doctor ever told me what it was or what to do. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when you have, when you're in that group where you never have good lactobacilli, then you also have a lot of yeast. Mm -hmm. So I was that young teenage girl that felt ashamed that I was always getting yeast infections. And I'm like, what am I doing? I wasn't mm -hmm. having sex. Go to the pediatrician and they give you, that was when you had to get a prescription. But yeah. like, it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I went to... So this would have been in the 80s that I went to a Planned Parenthood where they finally gave me a pamphlet on yeast infections. And I was like, OK, I only had to have 14 of them to get oh this information. Yeah. So, yeah. so and I think it's weird, but I think it still happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Partly because we don't talk about this part of our body. Mm -hmm. There's a weird shame component that many people grew up with. Mm -hmm. And as it's changing, we think our first thought is always what's wrong with me. It must be something wrong with me. Yeah, Even like an odor, mm -hmm. you know, or like if there's an odor, then like what somebody will do is go get like summer's Eve. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, I got rid of the odor, but now they have more BV. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you I'm, know, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen all of this stuff coming out right now with the OMV product that they're marketing to, to teenagers. Have you heard about that? I just like wish people would copy me. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like, just do what I do. <laughs> yeah. When we were recording your, your bio and we were going through like all the parts about the, the sustainability and the, the carbon neutrality yeah. and the pack, the thought that goes into the, the packaging and how, how that's so important because you can have the greatest product in the world and be putting it in crappy packaging. Like what's the point? And we were like, women need to run all the companies in the world, <laughs> right? Like so true because think of how it would be different. And I like stand up in groups sometimes. One time I was at a natural product expo back when we used to do those things. And um, they asked me to speak about packaging. And, you know, I'm like a tiny little company. I just want to say, like, we're trying hard, but, you know, compared to these companies that could really make a difference, right? You go to sugarcane, just the production of sugarcane alone reduces carbon. And, you know, it's biodegradable. It's not going to be on the planet for 400 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, all so many things, so basic. It's mm -hmm. like, like and, a no -brainer. It's, it's, it's really just mind boggling to me. I don't know what it takes, but yeah, I, yeah, I wish I would rule the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, It'd be a better place. Well, and I think, I think with like, it comes down to, I think a lot of this year, lots of people have thought about like, how can I use my privilege 
to have a larger impact on a positive impact on the world and just how we spend our dollars. The products that we decide to spend our money on is huge. That is like voting. You know, I'm I'm Canadian and so I can't vote. And so uh, that feels sometimes like- You can go back to Canada. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. (laughs) She has an exit. And so- The the number of people trying to go to Canada, very high. Yes, that's true. So, but to feel like, okay, I don't have that power, but what other power do I have? And to support companies and businesses that are uh, aligned with values that I have. You know, COVID has been in many ways an equalizer, unlike any we could have imagined, right? And I could say a lot of things about COVID, but one thing for sure is that when people become afraid, which is, this is sort of a big cultivator of fear about their health, they start to think about all these other areas. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, good, clean love has, which I think really it's like the best, better for you product on the market. Partly because, you know, for a long time we leaned organic and that seemed like the most important thing. But I think it's really worth talking about why, even though we have some great organic products, all of our development after we really understood the importance of the vaginal biome was less about organic and more about maintaining a biome. But like even now, like when you talk about voting, I think there is this waking up, you Mm -hmm. know, where people are like, shoot, you know, I I mean, I think they're starting to pay attention in all kinds of ways about mm-hmm. that. And I think there will be a time where, I mean, here I am saying a really bold thing, and I don't know if I'll be alive to see it, but the direction that we are taking feminine health, vaginal care and sexual health will become the shelf. Like I said, I don't know that I'll be here to see it, but even though the shelf is still predominantly petrochemical and people are trying to copy us, but they can't quite seem to really read the inky deck, you know, it's like so weird, just copy it. (laughs) It's like, um, you know, There's definitely this consciousness and slowly we're waking it up among healthcare practitioners Mm -hmm. like yourselves, right? Yeah. And I see it in like, uh, I see it in menstrual products starting to happen where we're actually like thinking about what is in a tampon, what is in a pad, the movement. It's amazing that like 2020, literally it took to 2020. Right. right. And those companies like for years and years never had to disclose their ingredients. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? It's inside of your body like um. and we see like parallel in the PT field more and more women getting education that there is public floor PT and there is help out there for all these issues and I think it's going to boil down to the person choosing good products and choosing public floor PT and choosing what's best for them in their health journey also as like younger women are kind of taking over the gynecology field I've sort of seen this over 10 years of going to these conferences. I think that pelvic floor therapy will just become standard of care after yeah. a baby. Yeah. You know, I as hope so. there's a there's an OB practice in town that has transitioned to mostly young female OBs and they've all had children and I've treated some of them. <laughs> and now they're like, oh my gosh, like why why weren't we referring everyone to to PT before we've benefited so much from it. And I think women are better at that 
women are better at seeing like this helped me so much. And I think lots of pelvic floor PTs are like that. Like I had, a, you know, we had problems and we wanted to fix our own problems and we saw how much better we got. And so we can't not now spread that. We can't not not pass that along to to other people because it seems like a no brainer that we, yeah, we should all, we should all know this information. We should all have access to products that are safe for our body, that improve our health. And totally. And I just want to say that like when, when things go terribly wrong, because they don't get PT, because they have, they don't have the right lactobacilli. So they have constant infections. You know, we don't quite know how all these threads wind together, but PCOS, Mm -hmm. you know, hormonal stuff, endometrial stuff, like they all are kind of knitted up and they all have to do with biome, right? Like mm-hmm. somehow we know that that's about a biome. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and those doctors that treat those women pretty much without exception will say, we cannot get resolution really on a case like this without P- pelvic floor PT. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that there are the leading doctors, you know, that are really awake And then, you know, it always trickles down like that, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you know what we should for sure talk about so that your listeners can just get like, not be afraid. They really get this biome idea. Yeah. 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 Let's explain how vaginal biomes work, like how they have a biome and what it means and how they, they can just tell if the biome is happy or not. Right. That'd be great. Um, I think a lot of women, I think all women, especially after they have a baby, become more conscious, right, of their sort of vaginal ecosystem Mm -hmm. and also their breasts, right? Like I remember after I was breastfeeding, I was like, oh, this is what these are for. Like like, so obvious, right? And I think the same way when you deliver a baby, you know, and you like start to really think about that part of your body in a whole new way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things, big things that people, we ask people to do in pelvic floor PT is that like before they come or after their first appointment is like, take a mirror and look at your vulva. And for a lot of women, it's like, what? Like you want me to do what? And they have never looked at their own vulva before. It's, I just want to say how weird it is that one of the top and growing plastic surgeries is vulvar plastic surgery. Like mm-hmm. that is so psychedelic yeah. and, um, and it actually goes wrong, not infrequently because yeah. Oh, yeah. there's not a standard of care mm-hmm. about that practice. If you can believe that I'm saying that out loud, yeah. um, that, you know, there I is not it. a certain number of hours that you have to be qualified to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, think about where you cut the wrong place there, well, damaging for life but, or the yeah. fact that anybody feels yeah. like it's not beautiful enough, you so, know, is like, so, so weird. When pelvic floor PTs take the coursework required to be call themselves a pelvic floor PT, we do it in uh, big classes where they used to do it in big classes. And so there'd be like 50 to 60 students in a classroom and you learn to do these exams on each other. So you are you have you get a sheet and there's tables all over the room and they're all facing the middle. And so you're doing pelvic floor examinations on each other in a big room and the teacher's walking past and you're looking at a ton of different vulvas. And I think that for me was huge. It was like, I'd never looked at any other vulva other than my own. And so seeing all sorts of differences and being like, 
oh, like there is no, there is no standard labia size. Like how unique it is. Yeah. It's a finger, like a fingerprint. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. There was some books written in the nineties, one called Petals. And I think they did some show in New York or something, just showing that not only sort of the differences, but also the differences over time, mm-hmm. you know, like older women and young women and, and like, really, I think just trying to lift this idea that there's a way it's supposed to look, but, you know, with this rampant, I mean, whatever, we don't have to go too deep into this, but with so much pornographic content available, there's become this idea that it's supposed to look a certain way right. and that it's really tragic. Um, because it's actually only supposed to feel a certain way. Right. Yeah, exactly. um, And 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 coming to a place of appreciation and admiring versus shame. Mm -hmm. Or just appreciating, right? Like, it's like, just like your breasts. It's like this beautiful part of my body performs this remarkable function for me over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And like, that is good enough. That's all it needs to do. So, Yeah. yeah, but- Okay. So anyway, so okay. inside yeah, of that beautiful structure, <laughs> we, we love rabbit holes. So like, that's great. <laughs> there's uh there's this vaginal biome, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it, and you're, and the labia and the clitoris is part of that. I'm sure you've already talked on a show about sort of the fact that the clitoris of course is, is a whole organ system, mm-hmm. right? Like I was 40. Can you imagine? I was like 39 or 40 years old before that news was out. Well, there's a whole, there's a whole movement right now on changing textbooks because they're just wrong. (laughs) Like the clitoris is not just the little thing on the outside. Like it, it is. It's like this massive organ structure. And if I knew that when I was 20, then I (laughs) might've understood some things about my sexual response, you know? Instead of thinking for decades, what is wrong with me? Why am I having this spasming inside, you know? And it's like, well, because that's your clitoral legs doing their job, you know? And, um, but literally, can you imagine I was like in my late 30s when and I, that's how, I mean, I've learned all these things from doing this business, but yeah, that's great. So that whole system, that beautiful clitoral system, which also is the most highly enervated part of the whole body, Mm -hmm. any physical body, Mm -hmm. like the clitoral system exists only for for pleasure. Mm -hmm. 15,000 nerve endings. Amazing. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So who thought they wanted a penis? Never mind. Everybody's really always had clitoral envy. Um, But so that system, just like Mm -hmm. your gut biome, and I think this is the best way to think about your gut biome is to start with a gut biome, right? That we know when the healthy lactobacilli is in charge in your gut, then you tend to have less infections, colds, your, your immune system stronger. The same thing's true about your vaginal biome. It's, they say it's naturally self-cleaning and shouldn't have an odor because when that is optimally functioning, so that's the thing, that's the difference, right? When it's fully functioning, good, healthy lactobacilli are keeping the bad bacteria at bay. It's mm-hmm. not like there's no bad bacteria, but they're just in control. Mm-hmm. And what you have is a very sweet smelling kind of mucosal discharge, which actually goes through, I mean, you know, as you go to, and you peak in your cervical mucus phase for, you know, 24 magical hours when you could have a baby mm-hmm. and then the luteal phase that goes down, right? Like that whole system knows 
where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But like I was saying mm-hmm. earlier, a lot of women never get that. Just we don't know why. Like maybe they were born C-section. We don't really, we really don't mm-hmm. know why some women, a good percentage of women, 30% of women never have good, healthy lactobacilli. Mm-hmm. Another 30%, I'm just saying this so that women understand if they're in these groups, it's okay. They're with a lot of company, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. more normal than not to be struggling to find that biome or not ever have it. And then a third of blessed, lucky women just don't ever have to think about it, right? They probably also lubricate naturally for the rest of their lives. So I, you know, I I don't know how they got those. I have a funny, funny, a little funny story about that. So I have a four month old baby. My water broke it before labor started. And so I know, I knew that at 20, they want you to start on antibiotics. If you know, it's been 24 hours, sometimes right away when your water breaks Uh first and you haven't started having contractions, but I didn't want to be on IV antibiotics. <laughs> so I made my husband and my doula and I, we all lied to the midwife about how long my water had been broken so they wouldn't give me IV antibiotics. And so I tell, I told the birth, my birth story on the podcast and I have a good friend who's a midwife and she's like, she calls me and she's like, Haley, you're not supposed to lie to your providers. <laughs> you're not, you know? And so I, had, I went on the back on and apologized and said, don't lie to your providers, you know? But because in the back of my mind, I was like, I want, I want that biome to be as, as sort of uninterrupted as possible so that that baby gets all those good bacteria. (laughs) No, I know. I mean, and just the way that we, I think, misunderstand bacteria, you know, in all of our biomes Mm -hmm. uh, is really uh, kind of the tragedy of our time and is going to only be become more tragic because we know that we are killing the effectiveness of antibiotics at every turn, the more that we rely on them before we need them. Uh, It's kind of scary. I was just interviewing a woman yesterday who said, you know, right now there's only one frontline antibiotic for gonorrhea that works. And so if that one fails, like gonorrhea is the number one sexual infection still in this country. In the world, actually, mm-hmm. uh, although I don't know, probably in Africa, it's AIDS or something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I totally mm-hmm. feel you about that. And, you know, the number of women who have IV antibiotics when they deliver, I mean, who knows? We don't know if that's what did it or what does it right. or not. But in any case, let's just sort of presume right. that there's women who don't have the right lactobacilli mm-hmm. and through no fault of their own. It's just mm-hmm. how it is, that's, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, And so, but we also know that a healthy biome, there's a few characteristics that we always want to sort of move towards. So like we said, one is low pH, um, 3.7 on the inside, Mm -hmm. 4.0 on the outside. This healthy lactobacilli, which we know has, there's native strains. So we always want to move towards those. And really this idea of hyperosmolar. So Mm -hmm. osmolality Mm -hmm. is the last piece. And Mm -hmm. without being too scientific, because really when I learned about this, I had no idea what they were talking about. It was about my product. Osmolality, if you go back to 11th grade chemistry, is about osmosis. Mm -hmm. And so osmosis is when the cell's job is to balance what's on the inside and the outside of the cell. Mm -hmm. And so the vaginal lining, that's what those cells are supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So if products come into the vagina that are way heavier than the actual cell interior, which is a very low osmolality of like between 260 and 400 max, 
you know, then it's going to pull all that moisture out of those cells. So mm -hmm. basically you've got this sloughing off of your vaginal lining prematurely, because we know that happens when you, you know, the lining builds up so you can get pregnant. You don't get pregnant, the lining sloughs off and you do this over and over again. Mm -hmm. That's your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. But if you're having BV in some kind of recurrent way or in some untreated way, basically the lining is just getting thinner and thinner and thinner, mm -hmm. right? We don't even really, I mean, here's another thing we don't study about women. There's one woman in New Mexico who is now studying the width, the thickness of the lining so that we could have some kind of baseline. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's another thing that we haven't really ever taken the time to really understand mm -hmm. is what happens like where you slough off, you slough off and you never really treat this BV. And how does that impact your cycles even? Mm -hmm. You know, we're doing some really interesting research mm -hmm thinking that that sort of continuous cycle might even affect your libido, right? Mm -hmm. Like if the vagina is constantly inflamed, why would it ever send a signal that says, oh yeah, let's reproduce now? Right. I mean, maybe it was never a problem about an antidepressant, you know, maybe it's not a psychological problem at all. It might just be a biome problem. We don't know yet, but mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. super curious to hear about this. Yeah. So the yeah. osmolality factor without being a scientist is really important that you don't want to add or subtract water in a vaginal biome. And mm -hmm. so you really want your product to be iso-osmatic. Mm -hmm. That means that it's just equal to what's there. Mm -hmm. It's not going to subtract any water. I mean, it's better if it adds water, but it's very, very difficult, almost impossible to make products that are hypo-osmatic, which mm -hmm. means it would add water to those cells. Just, there's really almost no way you can do it. Mm -hmm. So really what you're going for is this just not doing any damage. Yeah. Just right. Equal, so you're protecting it. the pH and you're putting in a product that isn't going to negatively impact the cell wall, the vaginal epithelium. Mm -hmm. That's the critical piece of biome. Yeah. Well, I think it's the astroglides and the those the KY. Lub, lub, KY lubricant that is is not isoosmolar. Yeah, is is drying Very out damaging. all of those tissues, and then you feel like you need more. Then you have you know it's just this yeah this horrible. Well, actually, you know, this is when you get this burning. Yeah. Many many women will get burning, and especially like of course the worst offender is the warming lubricants, mm -hmm. right? Like the osmolar of those products are off the charts, like 30 times even, as heavy. Yeah, as I don't even want to know the like the science of that. <laughs> I'm surprised that I don't have more issues from all of the things we've tried, like in our yeah, 20s. Yeah. Like, well, I think we used to think that was like the coolest thing, those like yeah. flavors. But, you know, and... it's, like, you know, it's so interesting, like even in sexual response, that somebody thinks that like a burning response, a warming response is sexy, yeah. right? Like, Actually, when you're lubricated, you know, and you're like interested in your partner, it does its own heating up, right? Like all that blood engorgement, yeah. you know, I always say the key is the external clitoral orgasm. And I have always told my daughters from the beginning, no entry until they turn that key. You I know? love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Because it's going to hurt no matter what. And in fact, people will still email and say, you know, I use the good clean love. It still hurt. And so I'm like, okay, can we back up? Yeah, like, what did you get in bed? I mean, many people's sexual encounters are five minutes. So I just want to say, like, it takes longer to load the dishwasher, mm -hmm. you know? So <laughs> 
how how are you gonna find that space? And that so yeah. like, that is the time to extend. And and like women have written and said, oh, I don't want to put it on my partner. You know that he has to wait for me. Screw that. He well, he should want to wait. Yeah, you know that right. that is the goal. Yeah. You know so so I think a lot of women need to give themselves permission to have pleasure and to to be with somebody who really cares that it feels good for them. So my question is on the lactobacillus product is what would be the optimal dosage? So if you were going to use that in the best way possible. So I'd say a few things about that. Mm -hmm. One is that what we find is that the women who react badly to that product have not used the wash and have not used the gel. So if you've got a really high pH and you just put the suppository in, it might be working, but you haven't really given that good lactobacilli anything to eat Mm -hmm. and you haven't Mm -hmm. brought the pH down sufficiently so that it can survive. Like your prebiotics and your probiotics. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I would say that you should make sure that you use the wash and the gel at least with the suppository, if not one or two days before. And then, you know, if you have a current case of BV, maybe Mm -hmm. you use the suppository three nights in a row um, with the gel. But normally, if you're just maintaining your biome, you should be good like every three nights or every four nights. And, you know, if women are really starting to pay attention, they'll smell their biome is normal. Or like they get their period and then it's not, right? Or, you know, maybe they're nursing a ton more and their hormones change or, you know, whatever, like all kinds of things. But And then how, how soon after using that suppository would you, would someone start to see a, a shift happening? So it depends because if they've had multiple courses of antibiotics and it's a little bit more of a mess because they're also seeing you and right, like we, you know, the complexity of the case right. it will depend, really is yeah. the thing. Right. Like we can talk about just sort of your run into the mill one time BV or maybe the Mm -hmm. second time they ever had it or Mm -hmm. somebody who has a whole complex of things, you know, so the answer is different for different people. But many people, when it's just a kind of basic run of the mill story, they'll feel better in a day. But other women that I talk to, you know, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this for six days. Then we're going to introduce this probiotic and we're going to like do this every other day for another week. We're going to use this wash every day. And then usually like within a couple of weeks, they're like, yeah, I'm starting to feel better. But then maybe they get like a super yeast infection and mm-hmm. then they like have to do some metronidazole, but then they keep doing the other stuff anyway, because mm-hmm. you want to kind of keep coaxing the biome. Even if you have fungal stuff that comes up, I just kind of feel like people need to be thinking about their biome, the way they think about taking care of their face. Mm -hmm. It's not like they would ever say they have this great face regime. Oh, okay. Now my face is clean. I'm never going to do that again. Right. Right? Right. If you have something that works works for your skin, you're just always doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, why would that be different for your vaginal biome? Find a system that works, then, you know, hallelujah, you'll be more lubricated. You'll feel better. You're less likely to get complications. Just Mm -hmm. keep doing it. It's not expensive. So with the biome, is it obvious if your biome is off? Will you always get symptoms if it's off? Because there's about 60% of people that may not have good biome at any given point in time. 
So it kind of depends again, like how much are they pay attention to that part of their body, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're just really not in touch with that part of their body, then maybe they might smell an odor and they just go for their Vagisil or their Summer's Eve, right? And then that, you know, the next day it's the same thing, right? Mm. So there's like a way of thinking differently. Mm -hmm. But I think most women, that's the most common thing is like, you know, there's an odor when you're peeing or something that's not you. Like a lot of times when I would travel, it would happen for me. And I use the products every day. I don't usually have to use the suppository very frequently because mm -hmm. I'm always using the gel and always using the wash. Mm -hmm. So I'm probably more in that middle group, but sometimes I just can't flip the thing and I kind of know it. So I feel like you guys, you're sort of showing these women how to like feel something different in their that pelvic floor, mm -hmm. that's a good time to tell them, you know, when you pee, just pay attention. How does it smell? Mm -hmm. And you're going to notice if the smell is kind of off, especially if they do like a 14 day sort of, I'm going to use this restore every other day. I'm going to wash every night with balance. They'll feel and smell the difference. Yeah. And then when it happens again, they should be able to notice it. Mm -hmm. People had a lot of success with the gel, but I feel like I probably haven't been talking about the whole using it as a whole team. I feel um, like so, the combo is the best. Some ways I wish I would only sell it as a combo mm -hmm. because that's like where you get for sure the best results. Mm -hmm. There are some women who use just the wash mm -hmm. and they feel like, oh my God. And especially women, like you said, who have dermatidal conditions, lichens or mm -hmm. all the kind of stuff that happens in more complex cases. Mm -hmm. Like many of the doctors we work with swear by the wash and they feel like women use the wash and the dermatidal conditions subside. Mm -hmm. um, we don't really even know why, but I think when you combine the gel and the wash and then the occasional use or like twice a week or something that is like, you're not going to get BV again. How are you going to get BV? You're mm -hmm. constantly sort of optimizing for a healthy biome. And I even I wonder, like I see a decent amount of people whose perineal tears from childbirth are just not healing and they go back and they have maybe even a procedure or something to try to help that healing come along but it's usually not just their in their perineal injury that's irritated. It is really like the whole area. And so that's probably their yeah. biome that's not allowing that tissue to heal the way that it's supposed to heal. Those women would totally benefit. And mm -hmm. also we have this new, so I got this lichens thing and, you know, cause I have to get everything apparently. <laughs> and I, I tried literally every product on the market and it made me develop a new pain gel, pain mm -hmm. in its shell. Mm -hmm. And it's really amazing because most of those pot products are creams that are available and almost all of them actually. And it takes way more ingredients to make cream than gel. And so it's really hard to make an isoosmetic gel, a cream. And so that new gel will be out on the market soon. Cool. Um, and that would be a great product for those women with those tears. Mm -hmm. Or is there research supporting, and maybe this is an obvious question, but the gut biome, is there a direct correlation between gut biome and your vaginal biome? Like if you have good gut biome, does it mean good vaginal biome? Or not necessarily. I mean, there, isn't, there isn't that kind of research 
But you got to presume that like the biomes like talk to each other yeah. in the body, right? Right. Um, but I, you know, that said, there is a little evidence that if you take a probiotic in your mouth, that it might have some good impact on your vaginal biome, but that's a long way to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we added a homeopathic remedy so that we could sell that probiotic as a suppository. Mm-hmm. Really, it's better if that lactobacilli goes right to the place mm-hmm. than if I, it goes I through think, your gut. Um, did you have Jessica Drummond on Dear Sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I she, love her. So, so she amazing. talks a lot about how like most women who have chronic pelvic pain have SIBO. And like yeah. you treat the SIBO and the pelvic pain goes away and it just speaks to how important yeah. that is. And we're, I'm really lucky locally um, that one of our OBGYNs is taking a whole bunch of func- functional medicine training. So she's just yeah. identifying all of these gut dysbioses that left and right. And- pretty amazing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica is actually on our advisory board. Oh, we're cool. so lucky to have her. And she like has one of the most, I think, really impactful programs on endometriosis that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, she's done very, very meaningful, serious work on, you know, many conditions that traditional medicine really just does not have anything for. So really a good thing to, for your listeners to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. This is probably two episodes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is so much stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't know if anybody will ever listen to this whole conversation that we just had. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you get our samples yet to give, well, yeah, you said you do yeah. have samples. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so good. So yeah, yeah, we, um, we just love working with the pelvic floor therapist. Yeah. They're, yeah. You guys they're actually are our favorite group, truthfully. Because I think there's many ways in which they have the most impact on women's ongoing health. Yeah, we have time, right? We have we have yeah. long appointments and we get to know our patients really well. And so anything I can do that supports you guys, don't hesitate. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Starting your, own, starting your own podcast, way to go. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It was kind of our quarantine. Our husbands work together. And so we, um, nice. we kind of bubbled in our families together at the beginning of nice. quarantine. And so we were like, so let's do it. <laughs> and Wendy, for the listeners, Wendy also has her own podcast, Dear Sex, which I been listening to is very interesting i listened to all the pt episodes because obviously like that's really interesting to me yeah really interesting conversations there you know surprising i'm always surprised when i when i do those programs and you know if you want sometime we could like have you guys on and we could just talk about um sort of relationship in it's something I've always been really interested in relationship in the armed forces. Mm-hmm. I think Ooh, it's something yeah. that really needs a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'd be yeah. great. I would love to um, have you guys on and talk about that. Yeah, that'd awesome. be great. We, we would love yeah. to. Thank you yeah. so much, Wendy. That was yeah. amazing. I feel like we just had like a therapy session. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great have weekend. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by 
Addie and myself. <laughs> and our music is provided by Blockhead. <laughs>